Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at tprdfw.com. Well, I'm going to pray, and then we'll jump into uh, the notes here. Notes are probably being passed around the room. You can also check them out online. If you want the digital copy, go to tprdfw.com. And uh, the recent teachings uh, tab, uh, we'll have our notes for tonight. Father, we ask you in Jesus' name for you to release to us understanding about the word that as we dive in tonight, it would make more sense. Help us to have clarity in Jesus' name. Well, we're in our series on the book of Revelation, and what we've been doing in this series is we've been going through a... uh, a thematic approach to the book of Revelation, instead of going verse by verse, phrase by phrase, we've been going concept by concept. We've been looking at one idea per night, and in some cases, uh, those ideas need to stretch into a couple of weeks, maybe even three, uh, in order to further develop them. And uh, this is one of those kind of moments where we started talking about, in our last session, the we introduced this idea in the book of Revelation that's called the Harlot Babylon. Really intense idea, intense title. Really important subject. Uh, you heard me say it uh, in the previous session. I think this is the single most important subject for the church to understand uh, in this hour. I think it is of massive importance. Um, but it's such an odd idea, and it's so uh, not talked about, uh, kind of in general, that it's a subject that's completely foreign and even a little bizarre to us. So I want to encourage you, uh, if you did not hear the last session, um, I want you to go back and listen to that one. I think it's really important. And then we'll go ahead and jump into tonight's. And tonight's going to build upon last session, but you don't need to have had the last session for tonight to make sense because we're going to be talking about the subject of Babylon as a threefold global system. And that's a, the title of uh, tonight's session, A Threefold Global System. And when, when we say that, we kind of just give the, you know, three, you know what that word means, the, the number three, a global, so we're talking not about a local, regional, but we're talking about a international, all across the planet, a global system. So a system that's got three prongs, and all three of those prongs are of global reach, so a global system that's threefold. That's what we're going to be looking at tonight because that's how the book of Revelation and other passages about Babylon describe what is, uh, what's coming. Now, if you're uh, looking in the notes here, uh, Roman numeral one, the direction society is headed. Part of the reason <clears throat> that I think that uh, this session is of particular importance is because it's a prophecy about where things are going that we will witness. Uh, I I want you to to hear me on this. Tonight's session, every piece of it, if you just live a little while, you're going to watch happen for the first time in history on a global scale, and you're going to watch it happen in your lifetime. We are talking tonight about one of the most practical uh, takeaways from the book of Revelation, and that is the development of this threefold global system that will be horrendously evil and will be wholly celebrated. I mean, the whole planet, all the lost, will be celebrating the rise of this evil system. They will love it. And that's the reason it's so important that the church understands because it's going to be global, 
It's going to be praised by the masses, and it's going to be totally evil. And we're told that it's coming, and it's going to touch every area of society, but we're going to kind of in the broad strokes describe that in three uh, realms or three spheres. <clears throat> so the first thing is it's a vast scope, and this system will have vast authority, and it will be vastly evil. I mean, those are three things you really just don't want to, uh, to have all at the same time. Scope, anointing, and wickedness. I mean, you just don't want that. And that's what's coming, says the Bible. So she'll be global in nature. The three realms, part up B here, the three unique realms, it's a governmental sphere, that's the first, global economics, and a form of global religion. Now, we've never seen any of these on a global level before. <clears throat> Regionally, conceptually, you've seen some things, you, people, you know, uh, you hear the term, you know, the, uh, the global economy and those kinds of things. <clears throat> there is a measure of a global economic system right now, but it's at 1% by comparison to where it's headed. You're going to watch these three things form... And as they form, one of the things that we want to be taking into consideration is at the root of these things is the most evil agenda that has ever been in the history of mankind. And that's what's concerning. It's going to be operating with demonic power. Now, part of the reason I bring that up is because it's going to take demonic power to bring about the measure of unity that's going to be taken in uh, as a result of this. We're talking about a unity that actually gets everybody to be bad together. <clears throat> everybody to support the same kinds of bad. It's a demonic unity. And it's going to take that demonic power because uh, historically, the globe doesn't like uh, the concept of everybody together Historically, nations very much like independence and like to be seen individualistically. We want our own flag, our own anthem, our own ethos, our own language, our own, our own, our own, our own. And at the end of the age, we're talking about a movement that is going to be demonically charged to get everybody and their individualism to lay down significant levels of individuality in order to have a universal embrace of wickedness. That's, that, that's actually going to take anointing, and that's, that's a real bad thing. Last point is our little intro here, is that this system is rising right now. We are watching, it's, a, it's an interesting thing to have been studying this subject, the Harlot Babylon at the end of the age, to have been studying this for the past 12 years or whatever, and to have seen where things were 12 years ago when we started studying, and now to see where things have progressed in the last 12 years, and it's like exponential increase. I mean, things are really taking off. So whereas 12 years ago, I probably would have said the statement, and it would have been true, she is rising now. This harlot system is rising now. It is on a fast track. I mean, the snowball is rolling down the hill at a very fast pace at this point. Some things are really getting, uh, picking up steam and forming and taking shape. So <clears throat> let's start with, again, remember, we're going to touch on governmental, economic, 
and religious. Those are the three areas, the three spheres. And it's not the only things that this system will touch. It's just the three biggest that are going to wind up uh, giving unilateral control of the whole planet uh, in, in some significant ways. So first, let's start with global government. The first thing that we need to uh, recognize with what's going to happen here, what's already forming related to this Babylon system and its touch point on, uh, on government is it's a redefining of global politics. It's not global politics as they began with, let's say, NATO however many decades ago. It's, uh, it's a very different look at global politics. It's more a thought process of how do we, the countries of the earth, work together in order to uh, you know, reduce war, reduce pollution, reduce uh, you know, uh, whatever um, restrictions there might be on all the, all the immorality? What do we do in order to be able to operate together in a way to get down all the walls and be able to uh, really dive into the depths of sin at, at you know, a full pace? I mean, you know, a, a full uh, sprint into a wall. And the nations are going to be coming together in a way that we've never seen before. You're going to be watching this. You've already seen some of it. But we're talking about a global system where the nations of the earth, all of them, are in significant relationship together and happy about the situation. Right now, you can think of many, many nations that don't play well with others. They're the kid on the playground that bites the other kids, okay? There is coming a time where all the nations are going to be in synchronism. They're going to be working together for common purposes. And again, at the very core, it's horrendously evil. What's happening in this last generation related to the Harlot Babylon is actually the global restoring of the Tower of Babel. You guys remember the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11? Well, if you don't, it's top of page two. <clears throat> Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. And the Lord said, now this is the quote from the Lord. This is the, the quote from the Lord about the sovereignty of man, about the power of unity. This is the quote from God. It says, the Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan will be impossible for them. So then it says the Lord uh, uh, disturbed the language or, or you know, changed the language. And he, he, he confused it and, and caused all the different languages to be formed across the earth. Now I want you to pay attention to this. This is the wickedness of mankind coming together and they said, let's build a city for ourselves. And at the center of that city, let's build a tower that will reach to the heavens that we can make a name for ourselves. It's very central uh, uh, humanistic. It's very, you know, centered on, on them, on their power, their authority, their name. And God looks at it and he says, you know, it's actually true. If all the peoples of the earth will work together with an evil cause, there will be nothing impossible for them. This is what's happening with the restoration of a, of a, a harlot, uh, Babylon system at the end of the age. It's actually that city that was being built there, the city of Babel, 
That city is now going to be the city that rules the earth, and it's actually the prophecy of God in Genesis chapter 11 coming to pass at the end of the age. We're actually going to see it happening, okay? The words of the Lord. If they do this, what will be impossible for them? Well, we're, that's where we're headed. That's where things are moving. It's kind of terrifying. Babylon at the end of the age will be the boast of the whole earth, now, the only way you can get the whole earth to be excited about one city is if the whole earth is working together in what they're honoring, valuing, thinking is important. I mean, just think about it right now. If you ask this room, what's your favorite city? We would all have difference of opinion, and it all has to do with our priority systems. Some of you would be basing it based off of, you know, the beauty of the city, or some of you would be basing off of the food of the city or the location or the, whatever. For Babel... At the end of the age, for Babylon to be the boast of the whole earth reflects a global synchronization of priorities and a recognition that city is the best city and we all have the same reasons because when I say we all, I actually don't mean the believing church. I do mean, however, the majority of the planet, which will not be the believing church, okay? All right, so uh, I gave you there, um, be the boast of the whole earth. Babylon will be an organized network. Look at uh, this, Revelation 18, verse 9. It says, The kings of the earth who committed adultery with her and shared in her luxury, they'll be terrified at her torment, and they'll stand far off and cry, Whoa. Now, the part I want you to see is that there's this organized network of nations it says that all these nations were in league with her. They were cooperating with her, building with her. And they were collectively terrified when she was finally judged. Now, the only reason all the nations would be terrified because one city fell is because all the nations liked that one city. You understand? I mean, just think about it right now. Much of the Muslim world, you know, celebrated parts of the fall of the towers in 9-11. Now, not, not all Muslims, but many that were, you know, radically uh, engaged against uh, America were angry about America and were so excited about the fall of those hours. But there were so many Western nations that were terrified at what happened on 9-11. See, there's a difference just simply by perspective. And so what's happening is at the end of the age, it says all the kings of the earth, they'll collectively be terrified by the fall of Babylon. And it's actually a representation of the global appreciation and connection with and in league with at the national level to that city. She's called the mother of many nations. She will rule the nations. Look at this, Revelation 17, verse 18. The woman that you saw is the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. This is the city of Babylon ruling over the kings of the earth. The only way you can rule over the kings of the earth is if there's a governmental connection where, those, uh, where all those nations are receiving leadership from this city. And they are. It says this city is the one that's ruling over the nations of the earth. The reason I'm giving you this just line upon line, I want you to understand where things are headed, where we are right now, and where we'll be in a couple of decades, however long, will look very, very different. Because in a few decades, and again, I don't know how many is it. Is it, is it one, two, or three? I don't know. 
But in some number of decades, things are going to look massively different because in some number of decades, these Bible verses are going to be reality. They're no longer going to be a prophecy. They're going to be a day-to-day truth about what's happening in the earth. We are going to watch during our lifetime the nations of the earth lose their mind and give the leadership of their nations in such a way that it could be said that the city of Babylon rules over the kings of the earth. We're going to be alive during that happening. That is terrifying. Especially since we know this leader is called the mother of all prostitutes. The harlot Babylon. This is, that's the last person you want in charge of leading all the nations. Okay? And that's the definitive uh, or the, the description of this, this system that's going to be rising. This is really bad news. Well, let's not just look at the uh, governmental side. Let's look at the economic side. This is now page three. Babylon's one world economy. Now, historically, it has never been possible to have a one-world economy. That's been impossible. There were too many barriers in place historically for there to be such a thing as a global economy. You have to be able to communicate lots of information. You've got to have a single type of currency. Or if you don't have a single type of currency, you've got to have a very easy way to be able to make and break and exchange currency. You've got to have the ability to be able to travel back and forth and get money back and forth and get information back and forth. You can't have a global anything unless you've got a massive increase of the capacity of travel and the capacity of shared information. You can't have global diddly squat unless you have got a significant increase of travel and shared communication. You've got to have those or you don't have the interconnectivity. It's just a, it's, it's a statement that isn't real. We're a global you know, market, a global society. It's impossible unless information can be shared across the whole earth and it doesn't take a courier getting in a ship and then three months later showing up on the other side of the planet and handing a king you know a notice and now that king learned a little bit of information across the earth that you cannot have a global reality until you've solved the travel issue and the the instant communication sharing well it just so happens that's what daniel saw at the end of daniel chapter 12 top of page three daniel roll up the and seal the words of this scroll until the time of the end many will go here and there to increase knowledge it's a it's a prophecy about the increase of going here and there there will be many that will do it you know in that hour of time very few traveled great distances Numeric, you know, percentage-wise, you'd be talking about way less than 1% of people ever traveled great distances. It just wasn't part of the, the culture of life. People stayed very close to where they were. Most people died and had never traveled more than just a few miles or 10 miles from where they were born. The fact that it says many will go here and there, they'll travel all over. And there will be a significant focus on the increase of knowledge. We're talking about the generation that we're living in right now. Until this generation, define that however you want, last couple of decades, whatever, but not 100 years ago, until very recently in human history, the capacity for travel and shared knowledge was very, very limited. But now with the internet and satellite technology and planes and bullet trains and everything else, like you can get anything anywhere very quickly. It's, it's, and it's only going to increase in how fast that transfer of both humanity and transfer of information, how, how quickly that goes. It's only going to increase. 
Well, that's required for there to be a one world economy. But just look at what these verses read related to how the nations are going to interact with Babylon at the end of the age. One, all the nations will participate. There has never been a time ever in human history where all the nations did anything together ever once, never, except breathe. That's the only thing all the nations have done together, breathe. They've never collaborated. There has never been a time ever that all the nations work together. There's never been a time that they were all even apart. Like there's never been even an actual world war before where all the nations of the world were engaged in a conflict. That's never happened before. Not all of them, not by a long shot. The thought process of what we're about to read here is unfathomable throughout history and is a reality in this current hour. Revelation 18.3, top of page three, for all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. So again, there's a significant wickedness factor there, but that's not the focus tonight. The focus tonight is the all the nations all of them. How did they even hear about her? How did they get information from her? How did they share? How, how did they know what she was doing? Thinking because we live in a very different hour than we did even a hundred years ago. Wealth unsurpassed in history. Just look at the wealth here that we're talking about. Oh, great city glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls with such great wealth. Has there ever been a city like this great city? We're talking about the city of Babylon at the end of the age. And the question is being asked, has there legitimately ever in the history of cities been a city as bling as this city? Has there ever been one with this much wealth and luxury? It's a city that's built by the planet for the planet. It's a city that the world is celebrating and building and uplifting as its crown jewel, okay? Her role over the merchants of the earth. The reason I brought up the point about the finances, you can't be a worldwide economic network unless you have money. It just so happens she has all the money, okay? Her role over the merchants of the earth. The merchants of the earth. So think about those that are buying and selling stuff, okay? It, as part of their, uh, their business. That's like the majority of everything on the planet related to how you make money. You buy stuff and you sell stuff. Or you buy stuff and put it with this other stuff and now you sell this stuff together and suddenly it's worth three times as much. But the entire economics of the planet is all buying and selling. It's the merchants of the earth. <coughs> Look what it says here. Revelation 18, 3 and then 23. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her. The merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. This is the merchants growing rich because of their partnership with Babylon. They are in connection with the city and the network of Babylon. And as a result of that, they are growing rich from her luxuries. That's what's happening. Your merchants were the world's great men. Once again, just trying to get our, our head wrapped around this idea that we're talking about a global network and now focused on the financial side, the economic side. Your merchants were the richest dudes on the planet, the richest men. They made their living and their wealth and their, their riches, they made it from you by partnership with you. A global economic system. The world becomes rich because of her. Gave you a couple of verses there. 
on your own time, if you want, you can go to part E, which talks about the great industries of the earth that are all part of her network. But let's move on now to a unified religion. Babylon's unified religion. In addition, in addition to Babylon being a global economic system and being a global governmental system, she'll also be a global religious network. She's going to be very powerful. She's going to be powerful because of her governmental uh, uh, sphere and because of her economic sphere. When you put those two things together, you are now in charge. She's going to use that to leverage to get religion as well. Because if you're in charge of money and you're in charge of government, you can put incredible pressure on the religions of the earth. Okay? She is going to get this third sphere, I believe, significantly by pressure points. Okay? By having control of the government, by having control of the money, she's going to use those to wind up in complete control of the biggest religion that's ever happened in the history of mankind as far as uh, number of involvement. She's going to use her ability to bring people together into synchronizing the religions of the earth as one. Her new one world religion will be inherently evil and will be preaching a gospel of self-indulgence. She will come packaged with all the right sounding ideas that people want to hear. To those without discernment, she will be appearing as very good. That's the key. This is the reason that I believe that the subject of the Holy Babylon is the most important subject for the church to understand in this hour because this subject is the very center point of the great falling away. The subject of the harlot Babylon is the very subject, is the very center of end time deception, calling evil things good, smiling, laughing, and having happy music play. Evil. That's a good thing. Isn't it great? Everybody clap. It's good. And it's horrendously evil. Calling evil good and calling good evil. Calling good things, the righteousness of the people of God, holiness, walking with the Lord, obedience, the word of God, calling good evil. That's bondage. That's not good. That doesn't, that doesn't allow us to have our freedoms. We're supposed to be able to do whatever we want. God created us so that we can do whatever we want to do. That's the language that's going to be communicated. We are growing up in an hour where that will be the primary message preached everywhere. This is why the church needs discernment. Because to the undiscerning, when you read the flyer, when you hear the TV ad, when you, you know, talk to the person, they will make so much sense to your carnal nature. And to the undiscerning, she will be celebrated and will be perceived as good. That will cause the most intense amount of persecution that the church has ever known. Because the church that chooses to hold true to what is right, good, and true, and to the Bible, will be looked at as the most arrogant, narrow-minded, bigoted people in the earth. That's where we're headed. We are going to need each other. Because where this is going, the celebration of the Harlot Babylon will be the primary song of the earth. And we will be saying, that is a horrendously evil system. You are deceived. And that will not go over well at all. Well, let's look just a little bit at this. Again, 
the fact of this global synchronism, <clears throat> all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. I just want to get us thinking again. Global, global, global. It's the world. This is not an isolated problem in one part of the world or another. It's a global reality. But let me just tell you this. Religions historically religions, multiple, historically have very much stood in the way of peace. In fact, more wars have been fought for religious purposes than any other reason historically. So when you're the harlot Babylon trying to think, how do you get everybody together? The most massively disruptive part to global unity is if people are fighting each other and killing each other with guns. From a, from a war perspective, this nation versus that nation, this group versus that group. The greatest point of contention in the earth is religious disagreement. There needs to be an agenda from the harlot Babylon's perspective in order to figure out how to synchronize religions so that there won't be such stark differences, so that there won't be such infighting, disagreement, and unwillingness for unity. So it is a significant desire for global unity to occur, for religious unity to happen. But you can't have religious unity unless you dumb down all religions. The only way to get a Muslim, a Hindu, and a Christian all together happy about religion together is to totally extract everything valuable about each one of those religions. Hey, can't we just agree that like, you know, there's a God and, and he's, he's mostly happy and, and none of the other things that we believe matter. Let's all just be together and be unified. The way to unify religion is to completely cut off and cut out everything that makes that individual belief system of value and have uh, any weight or merit. So that you wind up with, it doesn't really matter what you say you believe. It doesn't really matter you know, what God you worship. It's all the same. We're all singing Kumbaya together. You guys kind of understand? So what's happening here is religious unity is going to be the secular cry as the solution to end war. Religious unity. And now that the harlot Babylon has already got the governmental power and the financial power, she'll now be able to start leveraging in a significant way different groups, different religions. But don't forget, it's not just that she's got the financial leverage because you just know there are people that in their walk with the Lord, if, if they were pressured related to finances, there are some that would just straight give in and deny the Lord. Okay, so the, the financial pressure is significant. But don't forget this is also the generation where it's said by Jesus in Matthew 24, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will go cold. It's the same time frame. So you've actually got the increase of wickedness. Wickedness is being celebrated and called good. Evil is being called good. Oh, yeah, that's great. Oh, also you're putting pressure on me economically? Maybe I will go along. I mean, it's really not that big a deal. I can, I can still say God. I can't say Jesus anymore, but I can still say God. So, okay, yeah, maybe I can go along with that. We're going to talk. We're talking about a, a global extraction of everything that makes Christianity, Christianity. And furthermore, you could pick any other religion and it's the same exact thing. 
It's the extraction of the points that make that religion unique so that there winds up being, instead of the religions of the earth, there winds up being the Babylon religion, which is really nothing at all except a social club that has had everything extracted from it of any merit. There are plenty of scriptures that use the term idol and that unless you just make idol symbolic, which in my opinion, there's no way to do that from a being honest to the scripture sort of a way, but unless you make that term, that word idol symbolic, an idol means an idol. An idol means like a, a little image God thing. An idol means like something of a false religion that is, is, a, is a, an image that's a, a little thing, some sort of thing, big thing, little thing, like a statue or something. There are so many verses. I mean, it's probably something like 20 related to the prominence of idols under Babylon's rule at the end of the age. Now, I believe what that means is there are absolutely going to be images of the Babylonian worship system that is going to be part of culture in a significant way. There's just too many verses that talk about the, the existence and the prominence of idols at the end of the age. And so I don't know exactly what that will look like. I just know you got a lot of Bible verses that you have to do gymnastics on or straight up throw out related to the way that Babylon is going to run. Because if you're just thinking Babylon is governmental and you're just thinking Babylon is economic, why in the world do these passages about Babylon keep talking about idols and worshiping idols? Because there's a religious element to the Babylonian system at the end of the age. There's a significant religious element. It's a crucial element for Babylon to actually retain power and have unity for the reasons that we've already stated. You've got to get a global kumbaya where everybody more or less is on the same page and that same page is very agreeable about whatever sub points you might think and want we're all in this thing together everything's good everybody's going to go to heaven some version of universalism that has a babylonian idol at the center point that's where this is headed gave you a bunch of verses there also the role of witchcraft this is another really ex, uh, uh, elaborate or, or frequently uh, mentioned subject matter, the subject matter of witchcraft and sorcery in relationship to the way that Babylon at the end of the age operates. I believe that there's going to be a significant level of, uh, of the occult, of witchcraft, of drugs that are all going to be working together to help undergird the religious element of Babylon. Hey, let's all get together and do terrible, terrible things while on drugs, and let's throw in a little sorcery. And there's actually going to be power on the sorcery because there really is such a thing as witchcraft. That's not a fake thing. It's a bad thing, but bad doesn't make it, like, not true. It's real. There really is witchcraft. And when witchcraft starts to get involved into the mix of a Babylonian network that is all about how far can we go into the depths of depravity... Let's bring in religion. Let's bring in sorcery. Let's, let's go as far into this deep hole of darkness as we can. The religion of Babylon is horrendously evil. Okay, let me just give a couple more pieces and then we'll, we'll move on. 
One of the, uh, yeah, last thing we'll do. We'll, we'll look at the last page here. Two points, part G and then part H briefly. Part G, the context of the great falling away. This is now 2 Timothy 3.1. I want us to picture all these details that we just talked about together. And now Paul says this to Timothy. Timothy, mark my words. There will be terrible times in the last days. They're going to be terrible. You're going to have this Babylonian system that's going to be at work. And it's going to be so powerful and evil. People will be lovers of themselves. That's how he starts off the subject of how bad the last days are going to be. The worst part about the last days is people are going to be self-centered, self-motivated, all about their own carnal passions, unconcerned about other people. He said, a time is coming. Lovers of themselves, unholy, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Timothy, you need to understand. Now, this is Paul prophesying to the last generation. Timothy, you need to understand. The last days, there will be a form of religion, but it will deny everything about who God really is. And it will be horrendously evil and self-serving and self-seeking. And you are going to be alive and you're going to have to face that onslaught. It will be terrible times for you. Because you will be alive in an hour where this harlot system is the ruling party of the day globally. That is so intense. Well, just the last point that I'll make and then we'll break up into uh, groups for discussion. Sometimes you might ask the question, if you've kind of been thinking about how this works, you might ask the question, how do you get a bunch of people in modern day, so let's say it happened tomorrow, how do you get the world to worship the devil? <clears throat> how do you get the world to worship idols of the Antichrist all over the earth? <clears throat> how do you get Hindus to do that? How do you get Muslims to stop worshiping Allah and start worshiping the Antichrist as though the Antichrist was God. How do, how do you get there? You don't get there in one step. That's the most important piece. Everybody that's thinking, well, life looks like it looks now, and then eventually we're going to graduate to this Antichrist system. No, we're not. We're going to go through decades of a of a devolving society into the full-on embrace of the harlot Babylon system, and then the Antichrist comes. The reason that that part is important, right now, Christians, Muslims, Hindus, and everybody's, they are going to look at the subject of worshiping a man as God, the Antichrist, and go, no, I am not doing that. No way. But if decades go on, where the doctrine of the earth is all the religions are the same, doesn't really matter. Everybody, let's just be part of this one world global harlot Babylon religion. This is the way forward. This is what we've been working for all our years. Everybody's right. Everybody's religion is just part of the whole deal. Everybody had a little bit of understanding about the true picture of who God is. And now let's all come together. Let's take our collective understanding and let's worship together because all of us are right. All of us are good. All, everything's good. 
After that drum has been beat again and again and again and again, and the pressures of economics and the pressures of government have happened, the world will buckle. The majority of all the religions will fall right in line with the harlot Babylon system, including a significant number of church-going people. I mean, we're talking hundreds of millions called the great falling away. And as now there's this whole religion, this new religion is, all of our gods are the same. We're all in this thing together. It's not about being this religion or this background or being raised in this country. It's all about us being together in the global kumbaya. We're doing this together. Then the Antichrist comes on the scene and he says, I'm the God that you say you've been looking for. Worship me now. Here I am. That's how you get a Hindu to worship Antichrist. That's how you get a Christian to worship Antichrist or a Muslim. There's the giant stagger step in the middle that really, really matters because it's a long, it's probably decades long. I'm just imagining it's two, three decades. I don't know the timing, but it's a long period of time of acclimating to a new global religious idea. And then the guy shows up on the scene after everybody's consciences have been seared and after all their convictions have been lost. That's when a man shows up and says, I'm God, worship me. Okay, let's break into groups for discussion. Luke, how many groups we got tonight? We'll repeat the question back just so that anybody that's watching online or that sees or listens to this later, they can hear the questions too. So I know we are in a really intense subject. So uh, I'm going to do my best with your questions and just bear with me if you ask me something totally crazy that I don't know the answer to. Um, All right, let's start over here. So is it possible that some catalytic events could potentially move things along much faster uh, related to the development of things for Harlot Babylon? Uh, Because my statement was, I think it's going to take a couple of decades. Um, I am confident that there will be some catalytic events, but also I think the decades is defined not only by the needed time, but also by the period of the birth pangs. And so uh, when we read in um, uh, Matthew chapter 24 and the other synoptics uh, about the birth pangs, it's describing trends that are going to be growing. And right in the middle of those trends is the global persecution of the church. And that global persecution of the church is actually what's happening during the season of the harlot Babylon ruling the globe, not during the time of Antichrist. That, that persecution gets way worse, but that's afterwards. And so, uh, so I think that the, uh, that the period of the rise of Babylon is going to take a couple of decades, three, two, one and a half, I don't know, it's a long time. It's going to take some time for a number of reasons, not only for the reason of the natural progression of events to get to that level of insanity is going to take some time. I I think actually to get to that level of insanity, it's going to take time plus those catalytic events. Uh, I think those catalytic events are going to be very important. Uh, You know, I over even, uh, even overheard the, the statement, you know, like a global pandemic. I mean, we just saw the world all of a sudden start responding differently about a lot of things here in the last two years that there are things right now that have become kind of normal that were totally never normal before. And so, well, what about if there's five more crazy global 
crazy moments. I think each one of those, and what if it's not five, what if it's 50? Uh, I think each one of those is actually going to help move things forward towards that uh, level of, uh, of intensity and the, the maturity of the harlot system at the end. Uh, but I, I think it's still going to take some time and, and for a number of reasons. But great question. Uh, yeah. Man, most practical thing to prepare for this. So the, uh, as we've been looking at the end times for a while, um, the term that sticks out to me the most, that's, the, that's actually the most important and the, the most horrifying about the end times is how many times the word deception is used. How many times Jesus is warning, there's going to be a whole lot of people deceived at the end of the age. Don't let it be you. Don't let the things close on you like a trap. There's going to be so much deception, so many deceivers, anointed deceivers. It's kind of like, Jesus, you're being really intense right now. And so I think that the greatest warning is that we wouldn't be deceived. And I think that if that is our, uh, if that's the greatest warning that we're gonna wanna address, then I think the way that we approach that is one, we've got to know the word of God. I mean, we have got to know our Bibles. We absolutely, you have to know the Bible. It's not enough that your mom does. It's not enough that your friend does. That won't, that won't cut it. You have to know the Bible. That'd be the first. The second, we've got to have prayer lives, which is why I think that the Lord said, my house will be called a house of prayer. I think it's, it's why he said that there's going to be a shift in things in the final generation because the church is going to need to be intimately connected with Jesus or we're just not going to make it. We're going to absolutely have to have a foundational connection to the Holy Spirit in the place of prayer, a living, working revelation and relationship with Jesus. That's not, I went to Sunday school. It's, I have an active relationship with Jesus right now that includes being able to hear his voice, being sensitive to his Holy Spirit, being sensitive to the conviction of sin, combining those two ideas together so that we'll actually apply the Bible when our best friend says, let's do this. And the Bible says, whatever you do, don't do that. That we go, no, Bible better than best friend. Bible better than mom. Bible better than job. Bible. We hold to it. And we really, it's because of relationship with Jesus. And then the third part about all that that I think is going to be so incredibly helpful is relationships with like-minded believers that love Jesus more than you do. That are spurring you on to love God more that are provoking you to have a deeper relationship with the Lord than you did last week and last year. And if we've got those things working for us, I think we're all going to be just fine. I think where there are varying degrees of those three elements, there's going to be a lot more opportunity to fall into that deception, which is the greatest warning that Jesus gives in relationships to the end times. Uh, his greatest uh, warning isn't look out that you don't get hit by bad stuff falling out of the sky. Uh, his greatest warning is do not be deceived. It will come like a trap on the whole earth. Don't you get caught in that trap. So, uh, yeah, that, that would be my threefold. Bible, genuine relationship with Jesus, and genuine relationship with each other, with people that really, 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 really love the Lord. There's no compromising in them. When they compromise, they repent, and they like come say in tears, I'm sorry I sinned against you. I can't believe I said this to you yesterday. Those are the kinds of people you want to surround yourself with. So uh, excellent question. Uh, yeah. Yeah, great question. So, uh, so we've talked about this. Well, let me repeat the question. The question was, um, in past sessions, we've talked about not, um, Daniel 9.26 and other verses that say it, that say war is going to continue until the very end. Uh, 
But now in this session, we were talking about the pursuit of Babylon is going to be to get global security, you know, global peace, global all that. How do those two things align? Well, one of the things that we've talked about a number of times in this study, and it's one of those that you really want to understand, you want to, you want to get it deep in you, is the Bible can't contradict itself. So two opposing realities must be able to exist at the same time in a way that doesn't cause the other one to not be true. So here's how this could potentially look. War is going to continue to the end. There's no question. It says it so clearly. So there must be war to the end. What it doesn't say is how many wars, how many people involved in the wars, what scope the wars are, on what continents, and how long they last. It just says war. So as long as there are people with a difference of opinion that have not yet, and when I say people, I mean 10. So long as there's at least 10 people somewhere that do not agree with whatever is being widely uh, uh, propagated and believed or whatever, you've got the opportunity for conflict. And if those 10 people happen to have guns, congratulations, you have war. So uh, th one of the things in, in relationship to the Harlot Babylon system is, while she is gonna have uh, global control in the broadest sense, that doesn't mean she is going to control every single zip code 100%. Okay, if you looked at the planet and went, who's ruling that planet? You go, Harlow Babylon. Who's ruling that one city block over there? Oh, the crazies that have got all the guns in that city block. That's who's running that block. Oh, okay, so Babylon isn't controlling that block. No. Well, can a block be extended to a county? Probably. Can a county be extended to a state? Maybe. So uh, there's still going to be war. Um, again, for, uh, for, as long as there is still life on planet Earth until Jesus comes, there's going to be war because there is never going to be complete universal buy-in of any system. However, there will be significant, like nearly complete. I mean, if you're talking about 99%, you would call that like almost everybody. But when you're looking at 99% of a population of 8 billion people, 1% of 8 billion is still a lot of people. So if you're like, well, Babylon's in charge of 99% of the planet, 1% is still a lot of people. 1% is still a lot of potential geography. And so there's still all sorts of room there uh, for both of those things to be true and coexisting. Great question. Andy. So when Babylon's at her, at her height and she's taken over so much, what does the church look like? Well, I mean, unless you happen to be in one of those counties, if there are such things, that uh, are protected in a significant way, um, the church is going to have to go underground because the church isn't going to be permitted to have buildings. I mean, not the real church. Now, there'll be plenty of the fake church. Uh, you can look and even see to a measure what's happening in China in this hour related to the underground church and the state church. The state church is, uh, is sanctioned by the communist government, but they're only allowed to do certain things, and there's a lot of things they can't do. There's a lot of things they can't say. There's a lot of things they can't preach. But then you've got the underground church, and the underground church in China, they just got to operate without signs and without websites and without a lot of things. And it's, it's more intense, but you know what's happening in that environment? Revival. 
Like millions and millions of people are getting saved because it's genuine Christianity that's fiery, that's believing in Jesus, that's pressing in for the things of the kingdom, that's pressing back the, the forces of darkness, even though those forces of darkness governmentally are, are uh, uh, imposing upon the church. And so what do things look like in that hour? It's going to look different geographically, one place to another, but there's going to be a significant uh, uh, decrease of freedoms, significant decrease of uh, visibility and platform and opportunity. All the superstar uh, Instagram accounts are all going to get shut down. I mean, the when when you've got the government running things from a uh, a system that says. Only the message that's agreeable with the harlot system can be broadcast, can be propagated, can have ownership of buildings, can have this, can have that, can have this. You're not going to be able to have any significant uh, um, uh, trumpet voice in any sort of uh, format that we're used to. So every megachurch that loves Jesus, and they love Jesus, they're going to get their Instagram account shut down. I mean, they're not going to be able to keep that. And then they're going to have to go underground. Every little church that loves Jesus. Well, their Instagram account wasn't a big deal yesterday anyway, so they're probably good to go because they, they weren't relying on people finding them because of their Instagram account. There's going to be a lot of smaller, you know, in homes, in buildings kinds of things. And honestly, what's going to happen is the church will be probably at its purest form since the book of Acts when we face the level of persecution that the church hasn't faced since the book of Acts at, at a whole church scale. There are pieces of the church right now that are facing significant persecution. But by and large, the church in the earth isn't. When the church of the earth is there'll be a forced genuineness of the reality of the church in a way that's going to actually be really attractive, really powerful, but it won't have uh, all the freedoms and access um, that we do right now. So, uh, you know, fall in love with your friend's living room. You may find yourself there one day. Okay, great. Great, great. Well, I'm going to pray, and then after, uh, we'll uh, put the room back together. And then if you would, take all the conversations out in the lobby. We'd love for you to be able to hang around and talk. We just want to turn this back into our prayer room. So, Father, we ask you in the name of Jesus for your help. We love you. We love the Word of God. We are trying to figure out what in the world you have written in your Bible. And we pray, Lord, as we study it, as we look at it, would you give us living revelation? Would you give us understanding? I pray, God, for clarity on difficult ideas. I pray, Lord, that you would, in your kindness, you'd correct our wrong thinking. That you would help us, Lord, to see things clearly and truly. That you would help us, God, to have eyes to see. And Lord, if there are any things that we think, that we've grown up thinking one way or the other, and you want to illuminate our eyes from your word, would you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to understand? In Jesus' name, if you guys would, put the chairs back and then take conversations into the lobby for me. This concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources, please visit our website at tprdfw.com. Thank you.